that was fun. Chris Pronger. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you were born, but we had a little bit of a history. No. 96. Well, you know, was born. Um, what year were you born? I was born in 82, December of 82. I just had my birthday, Kipper. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I continue to learn stuff. <laughs> you know what's great is people come on the journey with us as we grow closer <laughs> yeah. over the years. So what would that put you at 14 when... Uh, I was 14. When I uh, unfortunately fell into Grand Fear off of Chris Pronger. Oh, yeah, that. See, I told you, you're young. Yeah, coming back to me a little bit. I was probably playing Pogs or something. All right, from Chris Pronger to another legend in Jim Rutherford, who is making magic. Jim, you're so good, man. That uh, I don't don't think you're going to lose another game in Vancouver. Does it feel that way, Jim Rutherford? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, you know how this game goes. We, uh, you know, we got everything working for us right now and the team struggles a little bit. The goalie uh, picks up the slack and we got some other guys that are starting to score more now. But the nice thing about the games that I've seen here over the last four or six games is that that these guys are given everything they've got. And, uh it's uh, it's not easy, but it's the same for the other other teams too. We're dealing with COVID. Guys are nervous about it and things like that. But I'm uh, I'm really pleased with how hard our our players have played. Jimmy, just the latest. Uh, can you update us? Are you waiting for results? Do we do we think that uh, Toronto, Vancouver still has a a pretty good chance of of puck drop? Uh, as we speak, yes. Um, but uh, as you know, this this thing happens very quickly, and as uh, test results come in each day, it seems that there's one or two more guys added to it. But right now, we're tracking towards uh, having our game tomorrow. Yes, Jim, is there a lot of difficulty navigating what is obviously a challenging time around the NHL for every team? But also, as you learn the inner working of the Canucks organization, who to talk to for scheduling and how to, you know, as you learn, is it sort of a a weird time right now for you learning things during this difficult league-wide time? No, I'm fortunate. You know, the people that that I've come here to work with have jumped right in, and uh, the transition's been pretty smooth and pretty quick. you know, I got Stan Smeal here. I got the two Sedins. I got Ryan Johnson and the other people in the office. They, they've really been good. Uh, the one drawback because of COVID, I stay away from the dressing room and the players. I like to be around that area a little bit more. Of course, I talk to Bruce Boudreaux all the time as uh, anything he wants to talk about. But, uh, it's it's strange times. We we just can't do things the way we normally would. But maybe I'm just learning some things. Maybe it's better I do it this way and stay away from the players. Seems to be working pretty good. Speaking of a different way, Jim, it's usually that uh, you hire your, your president or your general manager and then a coach. But we saw Bruce Boudreaux come in before you did. So just your overall thoughts on, on how that felt a little different to you and, and maybe what... Uh, the, the relationship that you had with Bruce prior, personal, professionally, tell, tell us how that kind of worked out. I've known Bruce uh, forever. Uh, you know, we used to hang out a little bit in our early 20s, and uh, so we've known each other forever. I got a lot of respect for him, but but I, I did know about the decision about the coach. You know, like when uh, Francesco was uh, talking to me, he, he flew to north carolina and came to my house one day and met with me for four hours and he was looking for an answer about three or four days later and i called him i was a little bit under the weather i said you know i can't give you an answer and i'll have to say no right now and he said well i'm gonna wait till you feel better but i'm trying to get something done here we gotta get our our team going in a different direction and i've been talking to bruce boudreau and so him and I talked through that. So I was aware of it, uh, was very comfortable with it. I think that Bruce is the ideal guy to come into a situation like this. Um, the way he 
he motivates and communicates and makes the players feel good. And uh, to this point, it's uh, it's shown that he was the right guy. How much of, uh, you know, working with a guy like Bruce or choosing a guy like Bruce, I should say, is based on uh, systems or motivation versus uh, someone's general demeanor and the way he handles himself? Obviously, that, that feels like a big re- part of his success as a coach is, he, you know, he, he doesn't make... I don't know, it doesn't seem like a weight on players' shoulders. No, he's uh, he, he's a player's coach, and uh, he communicates with them. We keep going back to COVID all the time, but especially in this age where, where the players don't want to do certain things and whatnot, it's important to listen to the players as to what they want and if it's possible to make that happen, to make, make them feel more comfortable. So... He's a guy that, that just has a way about him with uh, the way he handles the players. And, and, of course, he's had a lot of success with it over the years. Uh, Jim, today we found out that Paul Maurice had, had stepped down, and it almost gave me the same feeling listening to him, uh, like similar with you in Pittsburgh where you stepped down. Uh, he talked about uh, the players needing a different voice uh, can, can you relate to that? Well, I, I can. I mean, it was a little different situation because his voice is a daily voice as a coach, and and mine, uh, mine is not a daily voice. But I stepped down for different reason in Pittsburgh. But all in all, in some ways, it goes probably goes back to the same thing. He's probably tired. He's probably at a point where maybe he's a little bit burnt out after um, coaching for such a long time. And I know once I left Pittsburgh and I'd get up in the morning and the only decision I had to make was whether I got my son to school on time or what I was going to have for lunch. It was really nice to be able to go through a period of time like that to be stress-free and just kind of have a reset. And so it's it's similar to what deep down Paul's thinking. Um, get out of the pressure cooker for a while, or maybe he'll, he'll get out forever. I don't know. Time will tell. But but that was something that I needed to do, and and uh, I feel much better about it now that now that I've taken that time, and now that I'm back in the game. So when you step away and you take that time, and you take a role with a different organization, and you know, you know multiple different organizations. I'm curious, like how how similar is one GM job or one president job uh, around the NHL amongst all the teams, or are the needs of that GM and president different based on the organization, the ownership, the city? How much does it vary based on where you are? It it all it it varies a lot. Like like I I'll, I'll go back to my Carolina days, you know. We had a different model, you know. We we were trying to build a market. We were a budget team. We were, mm-hmm. you know, and and even with that, we had some success. I mean, we went to the finals in '02. We won the cup in '06, conference finals in '09, and um, and then Pittsburgh was a different model. It was win at all costs. It was win every year, and and don't worry about the future and trading draft picks and and. Uh, money was not an issue and now in vancouver we're in a different cycle we're not going to be trading draft picks we're, we'd actually like to get a few more picks and and we'll build with younger players and try to transition this team as we go try to be competitive but get better and better with younger players as, as each year goes by jim you guys are right back in a playoff race Let's which go. is incredible nice. so is, is this kind of like when you took over Pitt a little bit? You're going to make some moves to, to try to win a Stanley Cup this year? Well, I think that's a little early to say. <laughs> I mean, we're not even at 500 yet. Um, and we're not even a playoff team. I think we have to take a step at a time, but but I'd like to give these players the opportunity to keep going. And uh, I'm not... Uh, I, I'm I'm more anxious to get our hockey operations built and strengthened um, than I am concerned about the team. Now, of course, 
we start to lose a few games, the focus will, will immediately go back on, on the team. But I think we will we'll see how these these guys go here probably till about the end of January. And then at that point, we'll, we'll take a look at it and see where we're at. But if we're going to be a contending team, we're, we're certainly going to have to strengthen a couple of areas. I got one more for you, Jimmy. When you were hanging out with Bruce Brudrow in your 20, who was cooler with the chicks? <laughs> That's an important he's, question. He was cooler all the time. <laughs> he, I, I don't... He, has a, he has a better way with words than I do. <laughs> Which led him to star and things like that HBO series. <laughs> Jimmy, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Good talking to you. Yeah, guys. and congratulations okay. on your early success there. Hopefully it continues. I tell you what, you look at the standings right now, it's a trip. Like, I know they've been on a tear, but, like, they're a point behind L.A. and San Jose and four points behind the Oilers. They got a couple games in hand, on the, or, you know, they played a couple more games. I, I know I was kind of just kind of pushing them a little bit to maybe say something, but I've got he the sense. He did say something. What did I, you get out of that? I, I thought I took a couple things out of that. One is that they, he said they don't want to trade draft picks and they'd like to get a few more. That was one thing he yeah. said. He also said that if at the end of January they're in a stronger position, he wants to give yes. these guys the motivation to keep going. And that's that's where I was getting to. He will he'll do something. Like if the Canucks, you know, their six hundred winning percentage from here to the end of January, they'll be in the thick of it in the Pacific. What are you laughing at, Sammy? Not just I I knew you were gonna ask him a question like that. I just, I, just I didn't want to laugh at it no, when he said you guys going to try to win the know, Stanley Cup. I knew it, Kipper was going to do it. I just knew it. And I, Jim, Jimmy's like, Jimmy goes. Jimmy's thinking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jimmy wants to make a trade. <laughs> the Jimmy. Is this a, is this a Seinfeld it reference? Is a Seinfeld it is. Reference, yeah. It is. All right. <laughs> I like it, though. I, it's, it's fun to watch and good on them. I saw something about, you mentioned Brudrow. I, I, I can't remember the exact thing, but. Did Boudreaux score his first career goal on, on, Rutherford. on, on Rutherford or something? Yeah. Is that correct? That is correct. Wow. I know. What a the hockey world, eh? Like, it's There's just... only like 80 of us. Yeah, it's true. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not... on the merry-go-round. <laughs> just taking turns in different jobs. Yeah. All right, let's uh, – we, we touched on it briefly with uh, Jim Rutherford, uh, mm. but Paul Maurice and just waking up. Most often than not, we hear rumblings. But this one – this quickly, I think, caught everybody off guard. Not a rumble. No, absolutely off guard. You know, I, I would say the only rumblings are upset Jets fans, you know, thinking the team is underachieving. And, you know, you, like any team, there are people who are saying that they've seen enough Paul Maurice. Uh, so I guess that could be the underlying, the undercurrent here is that there was some maybe interest from the market in moving on that the team could do better. Paul Maurice resigning today as head coach of the Winnipeg Jets and the explanation. I'm better positioned than anyone to know that they need a new voice. They haven't quit on me. They're a good bunch of men. My relationship is strong with all of them, and I'm cheering for them. I am. They kept listening. The message has got to change to be delivered a different way. It's what happens to us, right? The only guy who's been with the team longer than me is John Cooper, and he's won two, and you need to. You need to, after eight, nine years, get the team to that place. Or or you need to do what I did. Take them from what I think is a bottom 10 situation and move them to a top 10 situation and be proud of that. And I am. I truly am. Did he fire himself? What do you mean? Did he fire himself? Yeah, well, that's what he, he's he, saying, he, he's, right? He's saying he's, that... I'm, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. It's a good framing of it, though, that he fired himself. He's like, I recognize that that group needed a better co or a different coach. I don't know. So the obvious thing I'll just say, get out of the way, is like, was this like the team came to him and was like, look... It ain't, it ain't working. We want to move on, but we love you. You've been here forever. Do you want to leave with some... There Dignity is a sense. Grace. Now, was it you that told me, and I have not seen any um, uh, quotes from Kevin Sheveldayoff, the general manager of, of Winnipeg, but was there something out there sounded that, a bit more that, mutual. that sounded like we've come to a conclusion here? 
Yeah, I think there are quotes to that effect. The, the tone was certainly different. It was uh, tweeted by one of the writers that was listening to the press conference that that the tone had been more from Chevaldeoff, that it was more mutual than from Maurice. However, you know, he still wasn't outright fired. He obviously did a good enough job that they felt like he deserved this exit. And I do believe that he had a lot to do with exiting now. I'm sure if he wanted to stay in the job, you either stay till you get fired or... You know, he's obviously a part of of wanting to go here. What are your thoughts on that decision? He made reference that uh, this isn't a conversation that was just started last week, that it went back in the summer. Mm -hmm. If if I can't find a way to push the right buttons or motivate, then something's going to have to happen. So is this Paul Maurice coming to this conclusion a little bit quicker, knowing that it was inevitable? I think that's part of it. I also think, like, if you look at your team and you, you feel like, all right, this is not going to be a Stanley Cup year or not with me or whatever, I've, I've worn out my welcome. Like, how many coaches really get to leave with their dignity? You know, you either win the Cup or, they, or you get fired. Like, coaches rarely get to exit like this, eight, nine years with an organization yeah. and then step aside. Like, this to me, Maurice is leaving like George and Seinfeld on a high note here. He's told his joke and he's leaving the room. Uh, I That's kind of what I was going to going to say at what point he's seeing what's going on in the COVID world too how they're probably not going to be a fun year entering more strict COVID protocols playing in Canada probably going to have less people in the building going to be less of these games crossing the border because he's a Canadian team looks at his team decent right kind of fighting for a playoff spot not going to make the not I mean not going to make the Stanley Cup final most likely I mean, maybe they could. It's the NHL. Somebody gets in, gets hot. You never know what's going to happen, but likely not. He's probably just like, you know what? F it. I'm, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. We Kipper and I, we watched the, the press conference. It's a weird feeling about it. I don't know. It was just he, I don't know. He seemed tired. Did, didn't he seem tired to you? Well, well that's essentially the other thing he's saying. Uh, Jimmy Rutherford hit it. Uh, he used the word burnt out. He it's seemed work. burnt out. 100%. And there is like letting the air out of the balloon feel watching and listening to Paul Maurice Just letting it go finally and and feeling great about it yeah like the the, the pressure on this guy and it, it's internal like I've known him oh, for a long time I've competed is. against him at, in junior I've gone to training camps with him I worked with him at Sportsnet this guy lives and breathes the game I imagine part of the, the, this camper too is it's the same people and the same problems. And if you're coming up against how do I motivate Wheeler and Shifley again, or how, same guys, and you just, if you're up against it for the 18th time and you haven't found a solution, like me doing a Rubik's Cube, I'm like, I, still, I, don't, I don't got it. Eventually, I got to put this thing down. I, I don't have the answer for this puzzle. The one thing that is so unique in all of this, that is so crystal clear, that there is a bond and Mm -hmm. a relationship and a deep friendship between Mark Chipman, Kevin Cheveldayoff, and Paul Maurice that you never see anywhere else. Like, we're talking about scenarios where uh, coaches and general managers or coaches or uh, player person, that's what you get (laughs) in most cases. This one is, these guys are tight Including, including Paul with some of the relationships. And when you talk, when you listen to Paul Maurice talk about Blake Wheeler, yeah, you don't hear it. You don't hear the deep uh, relationship or the deep mutual respect out of a coach and player anywhere else. It's rare. Well, like, they'll be friends after hockey. Like, they're going to go fishing together. Like, you know, it, it is rare. I think there's a respect as men there amongst them. So I've got two thoughts on that. One is that the Winnipeg market, to me, reminds me of, you know, I played in Alaska, you know, where it's like us against the world. You know, Winnipeg is a, is it the smallest market? It's the smallest arena. It's, you know, uh, in, as far as Canada goes, it feels kind of placed in the middle of the country. Like, it feels like them against the rest of the big market NHL. And I feel like there would have to be some bond as you take up that fight, you know, from perception from the outsiders and all the other things that are in your way. So I imagine that forges some of the bond. But then here's a question, and I don't want to, I'm just bringing the word up as a conversation piece, not as an accusation. 
as they are friends and as close as they are, how do you feel about someone who uh, quit? Well, yeah, there's there's two sides to this. You know, like if you're that close, did you quit on guys? Yeah, I, listen. Uh, th- I, I don't is, think he did. I honestly don't. It's But it's part of the conversation. For sure. And there's going to be uh, a lot of people that value uh, the emotional aspects of this and commend him for, for saying that I've taken it so far and I can't do it anymore. Right. And that's the last guy that you would ever hire to begin with is a guy that thinks he can only get them 50 or 75% of the way. And that's what basically he's saying. I've taken them to a top 10, but I can't get them from 10 to one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, go then. Give me somebody that can. Give me somebody with a killer instinct. Give me somebody that can find ways, whether or not that they've been in the league five years or 25 years, reinvent yourself, find a new way. You always say that you're learning. Right. So uh, Belichick in Boston, in New England, with the Patriots, how does he do it year after year? I don't know. Yeah, well. I I don't know the answer. You tell me, guys. Success. Early success. Well, I thought he made a great point about Cooper and that you're able to do it in years eight and nine. The guys believe you and it's worth it when you've won the championships. And when you have it, it's, it's tougher to sell that message. I respect it for what it's worth. I genuinely respect the like, hey, I know I put my heart and soul into this and it ain't working and it hasn't worked and I don't see why anything's going to be different. I respect that. He, he is a good coach, uh, but again, Jimmy said it. Uh, he's, he's leaving because he, he's burnt. Yeah. Oh, and man, like I know I've only been an AHL video coach. That's nothing. But like at the end of the season, I was ready to die. Never wanted to do it again. You know, like I can't imagine being a head coach of a team in a Canadian market. The effort the hours the you know your guts churning trying to get things going yeah you lose a couple in a row the oh man everybody writing everything about you covid protocols the whole thing it just seems like not the funnest if you don't have a hundred percent passion all you care about is this then i think it's fair for him to be like i'm done and like but look this, at but these your coaches point in too, Canada. But, but your point too is is a one that's well made you know the perception of who who quit when this and that like it's it's an interesting one I, I I'm shocked by this when you sent that this morning that was one that was just because mm-hmm. you know don't you think of him as an upper echelon kind of coach in the NHL he's a guy I, that everyone kind of loves he's, right he's a top you know couple guys I'd like to sit and talk with I For know sure. that like you know pick his brain and you know absolute brilliant guy obviously funny as hell and and very worldly as and you know he's an interesting dude so he just. If you've got the energy, if you've got that inter- uh, intestinal fortitude to say, I'm, I'm going to die trying, right? And and if... if That's a thing in sports, right? you got I, people who do that. If I don't die, then you're going to have to drag me out or you're going to have to kick me to the curb. He is so far gone past that that he does not have... He doesn't have that energy to, to, to fight another day. And if I he's, may say, it's he's, ran its he's course. also made a lot of money. There's a point where you're like, well, you I don't that. need this right now. And I don't have to find another job no, tomorrow. I'm That's okay. He said that. Yeah. He said but, those exact words. He's like, yeah, I'm, I, it, tomorrow's going to be the first time I don't wake up where I have to think about hockey or I, you know, I don't need yeah. a job. I don't know what he made but, a year, $3 million, you know, something like that. He's close to $3 million. If, if you're there now. at eight, you know, for eight years, he's probably made $20 million. He's, fine. he's, he's okay. fine. So last question before we go and get to Doug. Who is the leading candidate to take. I know they got they named Dave Lowry as the interim, but I'm sure that's a pretty strong group, a lot of yeah. personalities. Julian. I, I, Julian, no, Babs, I, I don't, any of these guys? I, I don't see them naming another coach. I, I have no idea. This is, is just my, just No, know. the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. they're done. No, it'll be coach. Lowry. I wonder, this so will be Lowry it feels like then... they're still paying Maurice. I feel like they kind of pseudo-fired him because I feel like they're still paying him. Okay, no one resigns. Yeah, nobody resigns. No, you know, the money's there. No the question. whole money, money, you think? Yes. That's not Come a resignation on. then. I don't know what that is. I, I just can't see. I can't see their class organization. He's going to get his money. And it really has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with. I'm going to take this opportunity to collectively resigning from our show. Collectively <laughs> doing what they think is the best thing for the team moving forward. After yeah. this week, I would completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> I signed up to talk, to talk about so, hockey, yeah. not COVID. You know, see you later, guys. And listen, we're in 2021 now where mental wellness and 
health is a huge thing. It, it is easier for him to do this today than it was a few years back. That's a really good point. If we're having this conversation a decade ago and I said we might have talked about the Q word, quit a little bit longer. Yes. So we wish him nothing but the best. He's a good man. He is. Nothing but my respect. All right. We'll, we'll dive into it a little deeper. I got Doug McLean on a Friday to close this thing out. Ooh, and then text. We need text, Skipper. 590-590. send your text. Give yeah. us your... You know, maybe we give out some gifts. I got a few gifts to give out too. All right. Oh, I didn't and, a, and a rating and review. Okay. <laughs> we want those too. Please. I think I read one the other day where it's like too much Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> too that, much that's Sammy. That's the one review we haven't got yet. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of feel that boy. I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> All right, we just want a little tiny more Sammy uh, going yeah. into the Christmas break. <laughs> You're listening to Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs Hurricanes tickets on January 3rd is Aho. Interesting to get Doug McLean's take on this whole Paul Maurice. Now, there is a guy that's been kicked to the curb. I mean, it's just the standard way. He does not get to go up on a podium, at least in Columbus and... It's just so rare, JB, for something like this to happen the way it did. That's what's equally as shocking. But, again, that's a special relationship there. It is. And it's probably a big part of the appeal for Maurice is getting to go out in what feels a little bit more like his terms, assuming they are, in fact, his terms, right? That's uh, You can leave there feeling like the Winnipeg Jets, since he's been there, have been a respected team. They've had good players. They've been competitive. They've worked hard. I think they've given the fans something to be proud of. You know, he called them a top 10 group situation right now. Eh, eh, generous, but I get it. Aren't we to the point now where you do, you don't even want to go on social media just to, to glance because you're going to hear about another result of a positive test and maybe a team getting shut down? Nothing's happened in the last hour and 20 minutes. Are we good? I don't know. I haven't checked, but you're right. That does feel like it's coming. Okay. Um, I We've got a bet here, Justin and I, that uh, when you heard the the news about Paul Maurice, um, he said that you were playing pickleball, and I said, no, he's in yoga. Which one is it, Doug McLean? I was, uh, I didn't do either today. I had a, I had a tough run, and uh, I just, uh, I took a cigar and sat poolside with a, with a, a beer. So I tried to take, I, I got to rest. I, my body has to rest. By the way, Jason or Justin, whatever your name is, I got to apologize to you. <laughs> Do you? When I when I left Sportsnet, told me that Matt Damon took my place, <laughs> and, I, and and now I find out it's you and that you're the guy from the Marlins. So I just wanted to apologize. I got screwed up on the names. Matt Damon, I'm a big fan of his, and I, when Nick. Told me that I felt better about leaving. That I said, "Oh, good God! If Matt Damon's taking my place, he's pretty cool." Well, and then yeah. I find out it's you. Well, at least you know that since you it's know? not Matt Damon, the person who came in came in for a significant pay cut. I don't know if Matt Damon was mm. doing that. <laughs> hey, did you ever have any issues? Anyway. Did you ever have any issues with your video coach? <laughs> uh, no, no, I didn't. I, I, I he was, you know what? It's hard to believe. Dan Singleton, uh, we hired from Michigan State. Uh, Dave King actually went through the interview process and hired him as our video coach in Columbus. He is still there. Wow. Still the video coach 20 years later. And when I was there, people used to, he used to hang out with me on the road because, you know, the coaches are like, so I used to have the video coach. I mean, they said he'd be drinking cognac and smoking cigars. They thought he was the vice president of the team. They didn't know he was the video coach. Of course, I'd buy the cigars and the cognac and he'd be, he'd be hanging there, you know? So he's, he's a lifer. He's still there. Okay. You're really on this show because we want your hardcore analysis here analysis because um yeah uh jason uh aka justin or is it justin aka jason <laughs> no here one knows or cares made he made a really um interesting point when it comes to paul maurice that you know are 
Are there some out there that would think, well, he, did he quit on the team? Is it, uh, or, you know, are we way past that? I mean, how do you make sense of it all? It, you rarely see this. Well, I, I was on another uh, big radio show last week in Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Um, There's no I bigger than us, by the way. Shows. I know, I get us. And, and I said to Drew Rametta, who um, was one of my favorite uh, talk radio people in Canada, I said, uh, Drew, I said, we're talking Boudreau and the hiring there. And I said, look, something's going to happen in Winnipeg. This is a team that's out of the playoffs. Something's going to break. You know, they had the, the challenges with the shovel day off situation. Um, you know, frustrate, tough, unfortunate. Um, and then the team is really struggling. I said, something's going to, something's going to give there thinking that, you know, Paul Maurice is going to be in trouble, you know, because this is, this is not a team. This is a team that looked like they're ready to contend and are out of the playoffs. So something's going to give. Did Paul uh, walk away in his own? I suspect it was a combination of Chevy and Paul coming to a conclusion that maybe we should do something different here. I I respect Paul Maurice. I think he's a good man, a good coach. Um, he would be up front as anybody with making the decision. He's saying they need a new voice. I agree with him 100%. He knows that better than anybody. Um, but you sense as a GM, as a coach, as a player, you know this, that there's a time when a change has to happen. Mm-hmm. And I apply, applaud Paul for how he's handled it, and I think he deserves that, you know, with his 26-year career. And, um, you know, I think he handled it tremendously well. Not many guys, in fact, he did leave and resign, not many guys walk away from two, three, four million dollar jobs. I don't with time left. There's, there's, I don't think that they'd let, I don't think there'd be a situation where they wouldn't pay him. Well, if you resigned at Sportsnet, would they pay you? That's why it feels like a resign ish. Does it not? Ish. I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, how different are the. I try. Go ahead, Doug. See, here, here's, here's what. When, did I ever tell you the story when I got fired in Columbus? You didn't get a, 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 a send away like a today's? basket? Yeah, it was sort of like that. Here's what happened. I go to a, a dinner at my or a dinner, a meeting at my owner's country club to uh, to talk about next year, and I bring Hitchcock with me to sit in the meeting with me so he can help me explain, you know, our what we've got in plans for next year. So I go through all the plans, and I'm looking. A couple of the owners aren't making eye contact with me. The minority guys. I mean, oh, okay. And then the owner said. Uh, Doug, can you uh, could you excuse us and you just go into the lounge with TJ, the CFO here for for a few minutes, and we'll we want to just discuss things. And Hitch stayed in the room. An hour and a half later, in the bar to get me and said, "Hey, the owner would like to speak to you." So I go back in after sitting in the bar for an hour and a half while they're meeting. The owner is sitting in there. Him, all the rest of them snuck out the back door of the country club. And he said, "Oh, we're going to make a, a change. We're going to we're going to we're going to let you go." So a little different from the situation, you know. Did, was there Hitch resentment there? Was Hitch involved? You're, you're you're not telling us that Hitch spent an hour trying to fight, you know, for you. For me? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, how different no. are the public-facing versions of these things than what really goes on behind the scenes? Because today, the Winnipeg Jets presented a united front. Paul has resigned and whatever. But how different are these conversations with all of the way that in news and information happens versus what the public actually gets to consume? Well, it's it's different. I mean, uh, I remember when I fired Dave King, I mean, we lost five, nothing at home to, uh, to uh, Nashville. And I'm sitting in my office at 11 o'clock at night thinking, Oh my God, what, 
what's going to happen here? You know, where are we going to head here? How do we, you know, Nashville is a big rival. And I get a call in my office at 11 o'clock from Mr. McConnell. He said, uh, how you doing? I said, good, good. He said, uh, I'll fire the coach tomorrow morning. <laughs> fire the coach. He said, yeah, fire, fire the coach. I said, okay, Dave King, you know, he's done a good job. He's a good man. You know, he's been with us two and a half years. Fire the coach. I said, um, who would, who would you like to coach? He said, you, you're going to coach. Mr. Mack, I'm the president, the GM, and now I'm going to be the coach. He said, yeah, you are. And then I go to the press conference the next morning and say that I fired Dave King, and everybody in Columbus believed I fired Dave King because I really wanted to coach. <laughs> so that's, what, that's what really happens, okay? It really happens. So, and you think I can say that the owner – made me fire not a snowball's chance i could say that so you know it's just a little bit now the other way at one time i got fired in detroit brian murray went over and met with mr illich and he and he uh come back and brian stuck his head in the in my office i was assistant gm at the time he said hey he said i just got fired and i said oh that's too bad brian he said so did you <laughs> so, yeah. so so it ha- and then listen to this. This is the best of all time. That's a Friday. I get fired as assistant GM in Detroit. So then on Monday morning at eight o'clock, I call at my house in Farmington Hills, and I go hello, and he said, "Hello, uh, this is Mr. Illich." Eight o'clock Monday morning, I get fired Friday. This is Mr. Illich. I said, "Hello, Mr. Illich. How are you?" He said, "You get fired Friday, eh?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I got fired." He said, "You have time on your contract." Yeah, I got another year in my contract. He said, well, let me tell you something, young fella. If you don't have a job in a year's time, I'll hire you back. I just wanted you to know that. That's Mr. Illich saying that to me. I said, Mr. Illich, I'll have a job, but I really, really appreciate that. That's the kind of guy Mike Illich was. Wow. That's great. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing. eh? But anyway. Well, so you know, Mac. Uh, so firing happens differently, you know. And I don't, hey, I don't know, Paul. Paul may have had a spill. I don't really know. I just know that not many guys, I haven't seen many guys that just walk away. Well, I haven't. And I, I applaud him. I applaud him if I, he did. I get the sense that Mark Chipman is a little bit like Mr. Illich, where, mm-hmm. you know, I believe that. There, the bond, I was just saying, the bond between the three of them, you know, with Kevin Shevel Day off and the whole city and all of it. Like, I, I would imagine there were a lot of tears shed in, in the last 48 hours or whatever it, it took them the last few days to, yeah. to close out this. It's really rare these days, Mac, that we see three guys like this stick together for so long. No, I agree. And, and Mark Chipman has a reputation of being one of the great owners in the NHL. Kevin Chevaldeoff, to me, has a reputation of being one of the really solid guys in our business. And I cheer for Kevin Chevaldeoff. First of all, he's had to draft unbelievably well. He's in a situation where it's tough to get free agents. He's done a really good job there. I, I cheer for those guys. And I cheer for a guy like Paul Maurice. I mean, I, I, you know, he's had a great career. He's a good person. And, I, I, you know, I, 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 hope he's, I hope he's really content. You know, not very many people, trust me in this, guys, and this includes Scotty Bowman, very few people leave the game happy. Mm-hmm. Very few people ever leave the NHL frame of mind. They're usually really upset, really disappointed, really frustrated. Very few ever leave happy. Scotty Bowman left Detroit after winning nine Stanley Cups, and he was ticked off. And I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sticks with the theme of the news of the day, which is that no one's happy about anything ever at all right now. Um, yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, you seem happy. I came within, I, this week at yoga, I came within two inches of touching my toes. No, you didn't. Here's Hammy's going to go as like I cheap told rubber you, bands. I told you the reason I'm in yoga is so I can bend down like a catcher and read my putts. That's why I'm doing it. Man, you sound like you got it figured out. Instead of going down on one knee. You got it figured out. You you read three or four of them on every hole, don't you? (laughs) 
<laughs> that's a golf joke. That's a dad golf joke and a half. I, I like it. it. it really I, li- I like it. I like that one. I like it. Um, so around yeah, the anyway. NHL right now, uh, obviously chaos. You know, teams being pulled, games canceled. It's kind of a mess all over. What, what are your thoughts on how the NHL is handling uh, the latest sort of surge in COVID cases uh, seems seem excessive. Are you okay with the, the level of caution? And what is going down? What's going on in Florida? Well, it's sort of weird in Florida. It, it's uh, it's not very. There's no restrictions. It's the, there's been very few cases this this fall or you know this fall in Florida. It really has calmed down. It was bad in the summer. Obviously, it's been bad here in the past, but for whatever reason right now, it's calm. But it'll pick up with, with this latest variant. I mean, I guess because we're, we've all had double vaccinations, or most of us, and we have had our, we got our booster in October, I mean, we feel reasonably safe. So I'm not really noticing. We were at a movie a theater last night, Jill and I. I mean, we're actually heading to Park City next week to ski for five or six days, and I, I just – We've sort of, this is somebody who's gone to Europe during this. We've traveled all across North America in our RV. We haven't, we've been lucky. We've been really lucky. So this is going to spread like wildfire. I, I, I guess the NHL are, they're doing the best they can. I mean, what, what do you do? You can't ever take a chance of a player or a management person or anybody in, in, in in the operation of getting COVID and getting really sick. It's, it's a scary situation for them because nobody really knows what is going on here. Apparently there's one person in the world has died so far from this variant, but who knows? Nobody knows. Any thoughts on Jason Spezza? Uh, it's very rare that you get Gary Bettman to go against his own uh, players uh, safety department. Uh, were you surprised to see Spezza go from six games to four games? I wasn't really. I, I I didn't really like the the ruling in the first place. And you know what? I, I think you know Gary well enough that he's going to make his own call when he goes through the the information that was put on his plate. He doesn't typically interfere that much. That much, by the way, I'll qualify that that much with player safety. But we know he he interferes a little bit in certain situations with certain people. But in this one, he would look at the information. I thought it was too severe to begin with. And that was my own opinion. Any last-minute Christmas shopping you got to get in? I'm an XL. You know what? I just uh, We're going to really back off because we're going skiing with the family, so we're just going to do stocking stuffers this year. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're cutting. As Jill said, Jill said diamonds can fit in stockings. But anyway, no, we're going to – we're. We're uh, we're gonna cut way back this year, so you will not. I, you know what? I just realized I don't even think I sent you a Christmas card. I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't have your. What about ad- me? I don't, you know what? I don't have your address. I don't have your address. <laughs> just my luck. Well, we wish you all the but best. Anyway, I, look and good. Hey, good luck to you guys. Uh, it's um, it's very seldom that a, a hockey a hockey puck and a TV movie actor can really make it big in radio, and you guys seem to be doing well. It's a unique dynamic, but it's working for us. Thanks, Doug. We're going, we're going to levels that uh, you and I could never get to on this show. That's what I hear. I don't know if that's good or bad, because I think you mean. Former NHL president, Doug McClain. Happy holidays. Happy Merry Christmas to you and yours, Doug. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Doug. I just don't know whether a zinger is coming at any time, just, you know? I'm I, like, can I actually wish him the, the best and, and yeah. not get something thrown at me? That's the worst. That's the most hockey friendship thing ever. It's like, well, if I say something in earnest, am I going to get burned here? You had the table flipped up hiding behind it before wishing it's him well. It's been amateur hour at its best. <laughs> <laughs> is he talking about our show when he said I that? I think he was, yeah. Are we got, where are we going, Sammy? We got texts. Me- uh, any questions? Where do you want to go this from great. here? People don't know that we we are not a uh, million texts, but I I feel like this is somewhat important to talk about in terms of the new restrictions at at, oh, at the hockey. Oh, I mean at the hockey arena at, at the basketball. This court. is this is Ontario we're speaking of, right? Yes. Uh, so 
all food and drink services at sporting events, concerts, plays, cinema, cinemas will be prohibited. So, so if you go to the game, you no, can't get a, a drink or something to eat. No lifting your mask down to take a sip or a bite of something. Basically, yeah. I'm out. Why? <laughs> yeah, so no, no, make that sure does, that totally changes the calculus of the fun of the night. Yeah, like why would you go? Make sure, like, I mean, you've been there for the foot-long Berkey's dogs or what? Well, I mean, <laughs> make sure you hydrate before you go. Like, what you're just gonna be sitting there in a dry arena and hot. <laughs> you're like, you got. I don't know. Leaves brought to you by salty uh, peanuts. That's that's two and a half hours. Sip. I've never gone two and a half hours without putting food in me. You're eating Portuguese tarts in the middle of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Derek. Yeah, like yes, I am. If you haven't had Portuguese tarts, I mean, where are these from, Derek? Yeah, they need need to to send people there, so they'll give us a discount. They're probably not listening, uh, but uh, it's Corant's Bakery on Symington and DuPont. We're not oh. talking about Benfica and Porto enough for them to uh, God listen to our show. bless them. Benfica's terrible anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a million texts, but I just thought I would read that. You're, who, who goes to a, a rink not hungry? Or thirsty. Like, you can't even get a bottle of water? <laughs> you Surely you can get water. There's well, there are no drinks or food. Definitely water. You, but they, but, you physically can't hold an event without water but, for, for the public. So they're going to serve, like, I can't. So it's the same thing, pulling out a mask to drink is, a beer as it is to drink a water. It's the exact same thing. It's a good policy, Sam. Is, is that till January 7th? There's no, I don't There's have, no date. I don't, I, my sources aren't telling me anything on that one. I don't know. Okay, but there's nothing released no, or anything, right? No, no. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, 7,000, 7,500. Uh, uh, what's 50% capacity? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what are they, 19,000? So. Yeah. Around. All right, so just yeah. under 10,000. Bunch of thirsty people. That is pretty wild, though. Should be entertaining. You know, every once in a while, like, when I was a kid. Just a bunch of cotton mouth. Just <laughs> in high school, no right? No drugs before you go. In high school, <laughs> you you kind of, like, fake that you're kind of rubbing your mouth or scratching your face, but you're stuffing, like, an Oreo cookie <laughs> in your mouth. Didn't you ever do that in high school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. That's what, that's what they got to do. It reminds me of a very popular show called I Think You Should Leave, and there's a sketch with him, like, hiding, eating a hot dog oh, in his sleeve. Yes. <laughs> so like, I'm just the most tired uh, I've ever been. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, uh, I cannot, I cannot function if I'm not eating something. Oh. Listen, there is a variety of flask options out there. Yeah. You got belt buckles, oh you know, God. whatever like, you so, How about some of these people that go on hunger strikes? Like, charge less. How How dramatic are we being here? Hunger strikes. Charge less. Two and a half hours. I got to eat. Charge less. Groceries, man. Groceries are important. I just need my groceries. Charge less. Yeah, it's not the same experience. It's not even close to the same experience. You can't go in and you can't have something to eat. You can't, I mean, you're still paying for that stuff when you get in there, but that's part of the experience. There was that kid in Montreal who said 2,500 is going to feel like 25,000 or whatever. This is like 10,000 is going to feel like about 1,000. Yeah. There's going to be a real lack of Yeah, like nobody, <laughs> no one having one beer, yeah. nobody eating, just a bunch of sour places, arms crossed. <laughs> oh, this is fun. I love hockey. Yeah. Anyways. Tough scene. It's our, it's our last Friday. Come on, get get pull Positivity. some good news out yeah, of there. By the way, uh, okay. we're, we're we're not going to be here next week. By the way, oh yeah, uh, here's a good one. If Kipper and Borney were playing each other in hockey, two versus two, who would they take as their partners? From the world? Yes, that's your point. Connor, number one. Who gets him? Who yes. gets first overall pick? I don't. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I got. I got to take Connor if it's from the uh, Sportsnet studios. I think I'm probably taking McKee. No, 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 no. <laughs> two and two. I got no wheels. Yeah. Well, if I if I if I lost Connor to a, a coin flip, then I don't mind his partner there, Drysidle. That's a great. Quote. Would you take McKinnon, Leon, Matthews? Ah, uh, McKinnon too. Like, come on. Yeah, that's. That's the horse. It's like Betty or Veronica. So you, so you and McKinnon versus me and McDavid. How does that play out? <laughs> how do you think? A couple, me, sp- couple of early spears. I, was say, I feel like Just, I leave with stitches. Hey, That's my only conclusion. A couple of early spears <laughs> to set the tone. Whether it's McKinnon skating by me or Kipper spearing me, one or the other. Tough call though. You were fast, weren't you? I didn't skate. Yeah. I didn't skate. I hated guys like you. <laughs> I did. Well, like, in fairness, I hated guys like you. So, you know, we can relate. That's how you got fast. Trying to get, <laughs> a, 
trying to get away from me. Uh, this one, this is a question for us. Uh, does Paul Maurice speak French? Because the Habs are looking for a coach next year. And Last name's Maurice. No. <laughs> no, not that I know of. Or, or, you know, maybe he took a yeah. a class that I don't know about. I'm sure that's what a tired guy is, needs to go to Montreal when I, he doesn't oh, speak yeah. the language. I, I, You want to take bets right now whether he comes back? Yeah, I've got a hard yes. What's he? How old is he? 54. 400% coming back. Even if he takes three years off. I'm sure there's higher ups at a couple media companies right now that are making a few phone calls towards Paul Maurice. Seeing what he's thinking on that front. Oh, I'm out airtime for sure on TV, aren't I? I mean, he's amazing. <laughs> if there's a guy uh, that you want to weigh I in on the game, uh, he's not going to do part, that. No, nah, I don't think so. I can't see it. I There was... Again, I got a chance to work with him. We went one year. We covered the Stanley Cup final, uh, Calgary and Tampa Bay, and they had us outdoors. And if Calgary lost, which they did, I think, one or two at home, they had us on right after the game. And, oh, Parka? Yeah, Parka, big stage. And... All I just Paul's speaking, and as he's speaking, I'm looking over. I see a beer bottle, oh. wailed and just brushed oh. his ear. What? Yes. Are you serious? Uh, a, a beer bottle, glass beer oh bottle. Oh my god! And we were like, "Ah, oh, we're done. <laughs> Lights off. Down. Lights off. Shut right down." And basically, couldn't get enough. Security and police around us. I'm surprised he didn't go into the stands like Milbury with her shoe trying to find yeah, the guy. Yeah, it was ugly there. And uh, that's wild. I, I don't think, think I threw I, a can I, here I, in Toronto. I mean, the world I think, sought I, him out. He might have that in mind when, when they call up <laughs> and ask him to do uh, some analysis for Sportsnet or yeah. TSN. Going to catch a Labatt Blue in the back of the dome trying to talk about the Flames. I'm good. Talk about the blue flu. All right. Um, Hi, Kipper and Bar. Great show. Listening from Tulum, Mexico. Ed. Cool. What up, Ed? That's awesome. I wish I was Ooh. in Mexico. Home of the 33rd NHL franchise. What do you think? <laughs> Gary would fight tooth and nail to keep him there if it didn't Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> they they got to build a statue in front of that, too. So that's nice to hear that we're getting... Um... Okay, so we were talking about Kessel yesterday for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. This nameless texter. Put your name so I can read it. Does Kessel work for the Leafs as a late-season third-line addition? They're already paying him. <laughs> How does that work? Can someone retain salary if you're already retaining salary? Uh, it's a no for me. Well, you... you Dog. <laughs> do you need more goals? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Do you need less that defense? Not the focus. Yeah. No, I mean, so. I, I look at the way the Leafs are constructed right now, and obviously goal is a good thing. Depth scoring is a good thing. But, like, I think there are goals beyond the top six here when everyone's healthy. You know, Mikheyev may help a tiny bit. He, you know, he's probably a 10, 15 goal guy over f- full season. Spez is going to be back. He can put the odd one in the net. Simmons can score on the fourth line. Engvall can shoot it in. I'm okay with the depth scoring, and I'd rather have some guys who commit to defense, kill penalties, do all that stuff. I wholeheartedly agree. Not great ra- radio there, but uh, Steph, uh, this is from Stephen in Nelson, British Columbia. Love the show, up, boys. Steve? Keep it up. I lived in BC for the better part of 17 years, and the Leafs have always laid a stinker in Van City. Feeling a little nervous for Saturday. Don't know how much more my thick skin can take. Well, good news for you is maybe there will be no games. You don't have to worry about it. Oh. Why, well, why it's, uh, it, it, it should shape up to be a really good game. You got one of the hottest teams in hockey right now, Brock uh, Besser mm-hmm. and Horvat shooting the puck a ton. Like, yeah. watch those goals in uh, San Jose. I mean, they're they're all world, those goals. Yeah, and they've always been that team that had good goaltending and a few guys who can shoot it in, right? Like Peter uh, Pedersen went to the shorter stick he, that he was using last year. Did you guys hear him talking about the stick thing? No. So last year, this this offseason, he gets sent a batch of sticks from Bauer, and they're softer than the ones that he had been using, but they say the same flex on them. So he's been working out all summer. He thinks he's got a bunch stronger. He's like, I need to go up in flex because I got stronger over the course of the summer. Then he goes up and flex, and it feels too stiff, so he goes longer on a stick. So now he's using a longer and a stiffer stick to start this season. Slump, 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 not working for him. End of November, he goes back to a shorter stick. Petey shooting it in the net again. So what I'm getting out of you is 
Bauer got Travis Green fired. <laughs> <laughs> he he so he actually kind of buried uh, Bauer in in the interview. Uh, Pedersen, he was like, I don't know what happened. They sent me the wrong batch, and they were. Too what soft happened and... was you're playing better. That's what's exactly. happening yeah. is that uh, you've earned seven more minutes a night. Yeah, the guy was playing twelve minutes a night. Which was I forgot about that. ridiculous. There was a stretch, eh, where they were barely using him. Barely using him. Now I think the other night he played nineteen and a half, twenty minutes. Your best players are now starting to step up again. Yeah, that goes a long way for I, a team like I Vancouver's a, built on it. I went to a game in Vancouver, maybe like I think the Sedins last year, whatever year that was, and um, they honored somebody before the game. I forget who it was, but they just came out. Well, like, just honor, but the Sedins. No, but they they came out. <laughs> <laughs> they were acting like it was 2012. They were zipping it around on the Leafs. Like, the Leafs were a way better team. Yeah. And I have honestly never felt vitriol towards myself as a Toronto Maple Leaf fan more than I felt it there. Yeah. It is a strong hate. That's the Super Bowl so, for the Vancouver Canucks fans. That's the Super Bowl for the Leafs fans in Vancouver. It's a... But you know what? This is the one place... Toronto seems to have a hate for Vancouver like other cities hate Toronto. Like, I've lived in both places... And when I'm here, like, I hear people talking about Vancouver and like, ah, oh, those sushi-eating hippies. Can't, can't, can't stand Vancouver. Yeah, like, what's to not like? I, But I do get there. there well, is a... <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, though, that uh, it's, yeah, it's the jealousy part. 100%. That's but, all. But you guys think it's jealousy on their end. Yeah. Not the other way. Correct. They get to live in a warm place. Yeah, pretty pretty city. Yeah, are but, you jealous of Vancouver? But absolutely not. But Couldn't pay me. Vancouver doesn't change time <laughs> scheduling yeah. for hockey night in Canada like the Leafs change theirs. This is the ultimate slap. Hey, in the this face, is really it? it. Really gets down to a, a four o'clock afternoon start on Saturdays. That is the ultimate. Like little brothering of, it makes of, of me the city, isn't so it? happy. Like when I went out there, it was a, I went for a Saturday night game. Yeah. It was four p.m. You're in the bars by nine, buddy. We went out for dinner. We went to the bar. Went to a party with some fellow Ontarians, and then we went out to the bar after the hockey game. I think you just made it sound pretty good. It was incredible, <laughs> I, and they were so sour. Oh, they were sour. See, I don't mind that at all. No, every game should start at four p.m. As long as no one's working. No but then one's, I guess that hurts no, our show. No one's listening to us if there's a hockey game <laughs> yeah, on. That's true. Hurts our show. Yeah. One more text? Yeah, let me see here. Um, okay. Does Nick Robertson. Oh, yeah, him. A, a 2022 first rounder, two second rounders, and Travis Dermott get you Jacob Chikrin out of Arizona? Doesn't not get him. One more time, please. Does Nick Robertson. The 2022 first rounder and two second rounders plus Travis Dermott get you Jacob Chikrin out of Arizona. Yeah, it does. No, it does not. A first two seconds, their top prospect and Dermott? Correct. Well, they need they need a young defenseman that can come in and play right away. That's Sandine, not Dermott. And Nick you know who's Ro- a young defenseman Nick, who can play right away? Jacob Chikrin. Nick Robertson. Is is uh, is a winger? Okay, I, you lose a lot if he was a centerman and a a blue chip at that. Bigger value. What color is the chip now? But oh, not blue. You can't give away. You can't give away that contract at four point six million for a guy who's arguably one of the best young defensemen in the league. You can't. Yeah. Unless you're getting something blue chip back on the blue line, not five feels, to six. Yeah, but like they're depth. trying to trade for the guy they're trading. You know, in in Sandine, it's like a slightly no. Jacob Chikrin is way better than Sandine. Yes, no doubt about that. But like, if they want better than Sandine, isn't that Chikrin? Like, I just I don't I guess I don't see the plan here. He's young enough. If I'm him, I don't want to be there. But to your point, he could fetch a haul. That's what they're the idea. Yes, that's the whole idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. for me, I don't think it gets it done. Okay. Can I hear about the uh, the Christmas plans for the Kiprioses and the McKees? Yeah. I mean, I'm going. I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that I'm going away to do this anymore, but going to go hang out with uh, Within Allie's, Ontario, Allie's right? family, and then I'm going to go hang out with my family in Own Sound. I had tickets to go see the Own Sound Attack play against, uh, I, forget, I, forget, I think it's Barry on the 28th, but got yeah. kiboshed. Just leave before they change any more rules. I know. I got to get out of here. Right. I'm out. See you, fellas. Yeah.
It's crazy. Feeling like uh, you're playing Monopoly and it's like go to jail, do not pass go, do not collect 200. Yeah, we bailed on our New York trip for the mm. third year or second year in a row here. Brutal. Yep. And we will be off next week. Yes. I, I'll and be here it's... for the first three days, but then I'm gone. I'm uh, so who's taking our place? Uh, the lovely and talented Gord Stellick. Whoa, that's an A-lister. That's and uh, my boy Brent Gunning, who I host the Beautiful. golf show with. So Beautiful. Lots of Leafs talk. They're in good hands. <laughs> I hope they play a couple games this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> for the love of God, play some hockey games. What golf show do you do? Are you moonlighting? No, I do the golf show in the, in the summer on Saturday mornings. The golf oh, guys. Do. Yeah. I get, if anybody out there wants to sponsor me for a new driver, <coughs> Nick Kiprios, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm happy to uh, come to your place and take some swings. Sam's left-handed. It's an important note. Yeah. Well, we just uh, want to send uh, well wishes to all our listeners out there on behalf of uh, JB, Sammy, and Derek. Uh, thanks for uh, been a good run so far. It has We're going to take a little bit of a break next week, uh, but we uh, sure appreciate uh, you sticking with us, listeners. Throw us a rating and review on any of the podcasts that you pick us up. We'd love to hear from you. Stay safe, everybody. Who knows what where the story goes from here on in. But we'll, we'll be watching and anticipating. Yep. Nick Kiprios for Justin Bourne. Thanks for listening.